Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So what is Wrestling Junkie? Well, it's a brand new USA Today website that launched within the last couple of weeks that will highlight what you need to know in the world of pro wrestling. Frankly, this is big. I've worked for Gannett and the USA Today Network for a long time, 16 and a half years. Uh, over time, I've done a blog, stories and videos about pro wrestling, and sometimes it's a hard sell uh, for people. Why should people care about wrestling? Well, I always say it's huge business and people watch it. That's why. It deserves coverage like any industry does. For years, I felt like the year the work that I was doing, was, which was usually while I was doing my quote-unquote real job, uh, my beat wasn't wrestling. It, that work was kind of in a vacuum. And uh, with Wrestling Junkie, the USA Today Network's wrestling content, uh, including this show, has a true home we're going to tell you about today. So here's my talk with Wrestling Junkie's managing editor, Nick Tilwalk. We're back on Under the Ring, and so pleased to be joined by the managing editor of Wrestling Junkie, Nick Tilwalk. Nick, welcome. Hey, Phil. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I guess the big question right off the bat is, what is Wrestling Junkie? Well, I mean, Wrestling Junkie is what we hope to be the the site where uh that will cover pro wrestling sports entertainment uh, whatever your particular flavor of of wrestling is for the usa today sports network uh we got the name from our sibling site mma junkie which has been uh a, a destination for fans of mixed martial arts uh for years now and also part of usa today and so we're um we're hoping to bring the, the same kind of coverage that that people have enjoyed for mma junkie uh, to the world of pro wrestling. We think that there's a real opportunity for it. Uh, we feel like USA Today's uh, network in general has, has not covered pro wrestling uh, in depth for a long time. Uh, so there's an opportunity for it. And obviously, you know, this is a really, really exciting time in the world of wrestling. Uh, we feel like a great time to be launching something new. Um, and, and we're just excited to get out there and, and see if we're right about that. It's very exciting. Who is this site for and, and why should people check it out? I mean, that's a, an excellent question because obviously there are many, many different uh, outlets out there already covering wrestling and doing a fantastic job doing it. But what we're hoping is that, uh, you know, we can give a little bit of something for everyone, right? Like, uh, you know, we're not going to be, especially right off the bat, uh, someone that's going to, uh, a, a place that's going to be first to breaking news and rumors necessarily because there are already people out there that do a great job with that, that have the resources to do that. But we're hoping that we have enough interesting, uh, you know, content for people who are, are hardcore wrestling fans who want every bit of tidbit of news that we can. So we're going to, you know, aggregate uh, the best news out there and make sure people are on top of that. Uh, and then we, we really do think that there is an opportunity for people who are, uh, you know, like there is a lot of debate, I think, right now among the Internet wrestling community, especially about whether there is such a thing as a casual wrestling fan. And one of the things that struck us is we think that debate is kind of misframed, right? Because if you're WWE or AEW, let's say, uh, that, that's a question that you do have to worry about. Like, are, are there people that, that might watch wrestling uh, on a weekly basis, that might watch a national broadcast that aren't watching? Um, and how do we get those people to watch? And that, that's always the source of concern, uh, especially on Twitter and, and some other Internet communities. Like, do these fans exist? Are there people that we can convert to regular viewers? But we don't, for us at Wrestling Junkie, 
we don't think that, that that's necessarily um, something that we need to worry about. What we do think that there are are a lot of people out there who are lapsed wrestling fans. I think that everybody who is a pro wrestling fan knows somebody, uh, whether it's a friend, a relative, people at work that were into wrestling at, at one point or are interested in catching up on what's been going on since the last time they watched. Um, maybe those people will never you know, become regular viewers to, to SmackDown or Raw or to Dynamite, but they want to know what's going on. Uh, can they check in somewhere and say, hey, this is what's been going on since the last time I watched? Or is WrestleMania season approaching? You know, what's going on? What are the big storylines? What do I need to get caught up on to decide if I'm going to, to, to tune in this year? And, and I think that we can be that place that kind of puts things that are going on in context, uh, gets people caught up quickly. And then if they want to dive deeper, we can have we can have obviously content for them to dive deeper as well. One thing that fascinated me as I was conceiving this podcast was no matter who I talked to, the person would always come back to me with some contextual reason of, okay, this is when I watched and this is who was wrestling when I was into it. And I realized at that point, you know, gosh, is everybody a wrestling fan in some form? And I just didn't realize it. Like, why am I hearing about Alpha and Sika in 1983 from someone I'm not expecting to hear that from? How do they know it? You know, so I think there is a chance with a lot of this stuff to, to find exactly those people that you're talking about too. Yeah, sure. And, and in my mind, uh, you know, people of my age or maybe a little bit younger, a little bit older, uh, I, I can, I'll freely admit to being in my forties. Uh, but, but, I think anybody who lived especially through the Attitude Era, through the Monday Night Wars, um, you know, wrestling was so hot at that point uh, that that almost everybody that I know, and, and obviously this is anecdotal, but, you know, people my age, people a little bit older, a little bit younger, um, you know, even my parents kind of, you know, were at least culturally aware of wrestling at that particular point in time. So I think, you know... I, I, I like what you said. Like, I want to think that that everybody is a wrestling fan or has been a wrestling fan at one point, or it was at least curious about wrestling and, and possibly could be again. How did you discover pro wrestling? And then after that, how did you get involved in, in wrestling media? Uh, I, I, I was, uh, I don't know exactly when that I started watching wrestling, but I know that I watched, uh, you know, the Saturday morning WWF at that point broadcasts uh, when I was a kid. Uh, and it, I just kind of caught on to it there. Um, and then, you know, I had my own period of time where I lapsed. Um, once I got to high school and to the early parts of college, I was just too busy with school and school activities. And I kind of lost, I kind of lost, um, you know, I didn't really lose interest in it uh, um, so much as I just got too busy for it, I think. And um, it was really, uh, I went to, I went to college at Duke University. And I think being down there in North Carolina, um, obviously, uh, a, a regional hotbed of, of pro wrestling and getting exposed to it again. And then just um, having it be that moment in time again. Uh, I was still in college in 97, 98. Um, and I, I remember working uh, part-time jobs at a, a, it was a place called Damon's, which is it's no longer open now, but it was kind of like a rib restaurant and sports bar. And they would show, um, if I was working Monday nights, they would show both uh, dynamite, uh, yeah, dynamite. They would show both Nitro and Raw every Monday night, and then they started showing both uh, WWE and WCW pay per views too. So it, I think I think that helped draw me back into it as well. Um, just having the communal experience, and uh, and then and then going to shows like in Winston Salem and Greensboro and places around there, um, kind of helped rekindle my love for it. 
And then as far as um, how I got into to wrestling media, uh, I started reading, uh, you know, just to catch myself back up, you know, kind of the same thing that we're hoping to do at Wrestling Junkie. Uh, I wanted I wanted a place where I could kind of go and, and catch up on what I had missed. And I, I don't know how I came across it, but the one that I, I gravitated toward was called Slam Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and Slam was part of, at that point, the canoe family of newspapers in Canada uh, and, and part of uh, uh, the Sun Media. And uh, I was just kind of taken by the fact that hey, they were part of um, these new, this family of newspapers, you know, so, so really grounded in, in uh, you know, real journalism, if you want to say that. And, um, you know, their coverage was great because they did everything from um, things that I had missed they were really good at the history of wrestling, putting things in context, and then they were covering current stuff too. Um, so I just kind of fell in love with their coverage. And as it turns out, um, they got to a point where their their guy who was doing regular uh, WCW Nitro reports um, left the site. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but they just kind of put out a general call for someone to fill in for them on TV reports. And at the time at Duke, I was studying, uh, I wanted to be a sports journalist at that point. Um, so I worked for the newspaper there and I was taking journalism classes and I, and I, you know, rightly or wrongly was like, well, you know, you're, you're a decent enough writer. Maybe these guys will give you a shot, even though you have no real experience. Uh, and I reached out to them and I'm glad I did because, um, they, they did give me a shot and I, I caught on with slam and, um, never really looked back. They were the first outlet of any kind to pay me any money, obviously not, not big money as you might expect. Uh, to to cover anything and it, and it was pro wrestling. So um, yeah, I just, I last saw him with them and, and no matter what uh, twists or turns my career path has taken since then, I, I was always with slam um, right up until I got this job um, in some capacity. What's interesting to me is I always um, I've never had a lapse as a wrestling fan, which is kind of like there's times when I've watched it less, you know, in terms of volume, but I've never had one. And for me, that internet, period in the 90s was kind of a rebirth of my fandom almost because all of a sudden there was this whole world of real names and backstage stories that I had never heard in my life so I was really just diving into that stuff for me it was the uh the WrestleLine website that uh I, I first got into before I eventually kind of navigated my way through figuring out what pro wrestling journalism sort of looked like you know that's a interesting point too is just you, you mentioned about you know does the lapsed fan really exist one argument i've seen plenty of times lately is like well why do we need pro wrestling journalism <laughs> and i personally think it's really important for what the size and the scope of the industry is where do you where do you kind of land on that why is wrestling important to cover uh i mean i think i think you know I understand why the question is posed because obviously there are many more uh, ways for wrestling companies and and the talent themselves to get their stories out to the public um, unfiltered or, you know, if you're more cynical, filtered the way they, you know, exact way that they want to. But, um, you know, I think wrestling journalism is important for the same reason that, 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 that any kind of journalism is. And I think, uh, you know, for, for people to be out looking for a helping people uncover more stories in the world of wrestling. And, and as you know, having been around it for a long time, there are just so, so many stories, so many interesting ones of all kinds, um, you know, good stories, feel good stories, um, tragic stories, unfortunately, but all kinds of stories that, that need to be told. 
And, and I don't think that we can just fully depend on the people themselves to tell them. Sometimes they can't, right? Like, like the, 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 the role of a good journalist, I think a lot of times is to help tell the, the stories of people who, who don't either have an outlet or aren't sure how to go about it. So I, I think that's as important in the world of, of, of wrestling journalism as it is any other kind. And also just to be kind of a check on things, right? Like, uh, you know, not to disparage any particular company, but when you let the, the promotions themselves, um, you know, get out all the news, uh, you run into the same problem as, as you do with a government or a business yep. or anything like that. Um, you, you need to have somebody to be asking questions to hold them, you know, to hold them accountable. I don't want to make this seem like we're, we're covering like world politics or anything like that. Uh, because at the end of the day, it is entertainment, but I, but I think, I think there's still a role for that, even in, you know, this part of the 21st century. But even, you know, you look at the power players in wrestling and, you know, WWE is a publicly publicly traded company. AEW is owned by a uh, very wealthy family, as is Impact. And sure. Ring, Ring of Honor just was owned by a very wealthy um, company that was a, that's a media company with a lot of influence. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, for me, covering wrestling, when, as, as I was doing it, it was the same to be, I was also a sports writer. So for me, the reason that I loved sports writing was being able to tell stories that no one else could. Yeah. And of course I had that exclusivity with wrestling too, because a lot of times nobody else wanted to write about it. So I just got to do it myself. So it's, you know, whenever you have large groups of interesting people, there's always good stories out there. And I think that's probably the thing that strikes me most about wrestling is that it's just a bunch of really weird, interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like uh, you couldn't ask for, I don't think, I, I mean, I mean, athletes in any sport are obviously interesting to people, but I think as far as like a colorful cast of characters, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find one uh, more, more colorful than the world of wrestling for sure. And sometimes the real life people are more interesting than the characters, which is even more fun. Yeah, absolutely. What was your, you, you kind of touched on attitude era earlier. What, what was your kind of like favorite time in wrestling uh, as a fan? And, and, and maybe, uh, you know, was there, were there any companies that you kind of connected with more than others or shows? Uh, I mean, I, I do think I do think that kind of 97, 98, 99 era for me was was really where it was at for the reasons that I kind of described. I think I think for its ability to kind of pull me back in um, and, and really having both WWE and, and WCW kind of in a strong positions at the same time um, was just really interesting to me um, during the summers when I was in college. Uh, I used to work at an uh, amusement park in Pennsylvania, Hershey Park, and uh, it was great, uh, I think, at that period of time, too, because you'd be working there during the summer. And I, I used to tell my son, you know, back before you were born in, in, in the late 90s, when I was working there, uh, during the summer, you you would see so many um, wrestling T-shirts just walking around the park those, those couple of summers, especially in the late 90s. Um, you know, a bunch of a bunch of NWO t-shirts, a boss, a bunch of Austin 316 t-shirts. And I, I just for me that I thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, wow, you know, when I when I was a kid, wrestling was sort of, you know, people knew about it. Obviously, Hulk Hogan and that era was huge. But it, you know, in terms of like, um, was it accepted in the mainstream? Like, yes, but also no, right? Like like wrestling was still being a wrestling fan was still considered to be kind of like a niche kind of nerdy thing. And I, and I just really felt like at that moment in the in the height of the attitude era when both companies were going well, like this is this is so accepted. It made me feel good. Like I was in on something before everybody else. 
and not in like a gatekeeper type of way, but I was like, man, people have come around, right? Like everybody else has come around and seen how cool this is too. And, and that was, that was to me, like the, the, I don't, I don't know if that will ever quite, you know, uh, people talk about that a lot. Like will wrestling ever be as big as it was? Like, of, of course, probably not because the, the media and entertainment landscape has changed so much. So for me, like in my mind, uh, that, that kind of moment in time where it became so mainstream, so, you know, accepted, uh, you know, that, that really spoke to me. I think right now is as close as I've seen since then to, you know, what we, what we enjoyed back then in the nineties was just AEW existing, as you said, in this time of like the nerd kind of fan culture kind of creates a totally different dynamic. You've got WWE's first real competition in uh, what are we at 20 plus years now? Um, You know, there are other companies that gave it a shot, but didn't have the backing and didn't have the support and didn't have the consistency quite honestly to, to keep up what AEW has done. So it, it, to me, like right now, I feel like, I'm, I don't have as much time as I used to in the 90s, but um, I, I think right now is probably, you know, like you said, ideal time for something like this. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, uh, it, 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 has, it has worked, right? Like AEW, like you said, the fact that they have existed, the fact that they're, they're been successful so far, um, the fact that their their broadcasts are on you know TNT and TBS and and visible to a lot of people. Um, Turner, I feel like, does a great job cross promoting AEW across other things that they do, um, basketball and NHL and and just regular programming. Um, you know that that has created some awareness and and again it's all anecdotal, but I I do have people asking me about it. Um, you know what you know should I watch it? You know what is it all about? Um, and and I don't. I don't recall another time since the attitude era where that was true, right? Where people, where people who weren't, you know, regular fans uh, or, or, or fans of, of wrestling on a, on a weekly basis, let's say, are, want to check something else out and at least see what's going on. What do you think are kind of the most significant issues in the wrestling industry or what the most important news stories that we have either happening now or, or coming up in here in 2022? Well, I think, I think one of the most interesting ones, um, you know, off the top of my head would be uh, the, the Warner Discovery merger and what that means for AEW going forward. You know, I think I think it's interesting seeing like people like Tony Schiavone and, and people like that are that are inside AEW say, well, you know, we we have faith that we're, we're doing we're doing good things and, you know, we're bringing value to the table and, you know, we're good partners. They've been good partners, but you you don't know what's going to happen, right? With with a giant media company becoming an incredibly giant media company, uh, the the way that, that that Warner Discovery is doing. So I think that's the most interesting thing to me is is what's going to happen there. Um, like, has AEW established itself in in you know in in a strong enough way? And it certainly feels to me like they do, but you know, you never know. What, when, it, when it comes to large corporations, what they what they feel about it, and, and I think I saw Shivani say in interviews, like, like, uh, you know, do they want to be in the wrestling business, right? At the because at the end of the day, that maybe even more so than 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 dollars and cents. Um, you know, I, I you know I don't know what what AEW's financials are. Obviously, uh, I don't have a ton of insight into that, but but are they creating enough value? However, that's defined in in a world you know in the 2020s. To, to keep going like will will they get a streaming deal you know people talk a lot about well maybe they'll be on hbo max once once warner discovery you know settles its plans for streaming um and, and so i think that's that's to me like the biggest thing is 
yes, you know, we just talked about it. There's there's this landscape now where there are two big companies and and it's probably better for WWE to have competition. I think a lot of us that, that have, have watched this industry feel that way. Um, so it would be a real shame if if they hit, you know, a roadblock. I think I feel like they're they're, you know, strong enough to to, you know, if they have to search for another broadcast partner or something, they can probably do it. Uh, and of course, the cons can back it all day long if they want to. I, I, um, but you know, those—that's really interesting to me because because you know, timing-wise, right? It's probably not ideal. Like they're just getting to the point where it's like, oh, we're here. We're a strong alternative. Um, we're, we're making waves, and then they have this big question now. It's fascinating to me that it's actually you know the what's remaining of the previous company that actually shut down the last big competitor to WWE because Warner media or discovery Warner media, whatever it is now is yeah, the, yeah. is the, is the kind of the descendant of what Turner time Warner was, yeah. which is what ultimately canceled nitro and thunder and ended the Monday night wars and everything else. So I think that AEW has built up enough of an infrastructure there to survive. It's just a matter of whether they will be a serious competitor, depending on what the landscape ends up being. And I don't think anybody could really tell Yet, I think that the um, the end of CNN Plus probably kind of alarmed some people in terms of, okay, they're serious about making some actual cuts in this Discovery merger. So, um, but yeah, I think that's the key. And, and really, AEW's survival is the future of the wrestling industry because it's provided countless not countless because it's there's actually a finite number but jobs you know for for people within the industry to get work outside of what wwe's normal you know expectations parameters that kind of thing would be so it's really like to say that it's that could be industry changing is not an exaggeration at all no no definitely not yeah and and i think and then and then further a little bit further down the road right like eventually we're going to reach a post Vince McMahon era for WWE, right? As unthinkable as it is. We're not going to reach that era. (laughs) (laughs) This will be around forever. So we don't have to worry about it. Outlast, outlast all of us. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's true, but, 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 but uh, no, like seriously, like at some point, at some point we're going to reach a a post Vince McMahon era too. And like that to me is also fascinating, right? Because as in terms of like one personality and the company kind of being like not only building their image, but like running the show, all the time for so many years and so many successful years. And then, you know, them not being involved anymore is, is like the most interesting question that could possibly be in my mind. And to note, Vince McMahon is currently 76. His mother did die earlier this year at 101. So just to to note that uh, he has that in his genes somewhere. Um, What do you like in WWE? What would you change if you were in charge? Oh, I mean, what what the, what I do like is is they still I feel like um, do a great job of coming up with interesting stories to tell for performers throughout the card, right? Not just not just main event people, but um, but people all over, uh, and and, you, and of course they have to be right. You know, Raw is three hours each week. SmackDown is two hours each week. That's a lot of time to fill, especially Raw. And I think that we all have a time where we feel like, man, like Raw is dragging. It's so long. Um, but, but you know, that on the flip side of that, that gives a lot of a chance for, um, you know, stories to be told up and down the roster and across the card. And I think they're still the best at that, right? Making you care about um, performers, 
regardless of where their where their spot is. Um, and and I, I really do think that they do a great job of that. I, and then obviously on the production side, um, except for the, uh, sometimes the the super rapid camera cuts, um, which is something that people joke about sometimes. Um, you know, they're they're unparalleled and they're, and they're the best there is at what they do. Um, what would I change, man? Um, I just well, first of all, I would let people keep both their first and last names. Um, that would be the number one thing. Um, covering covering uh, WWE programming, uh, it just seems silly sometimes. Um, I, I still can't believe that Austin Theory is just Theory. Um, that, that doesn't even sound like a name to me. It sounds like a thing, uh, an idea. Um, it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. I don't really understand the naming conventions sometimes. Um, but... Um, in, in, a more serious thing would just be, um, you know, kind of not to give up on on younger talent after they get like one gimmick or one push. Um, you know, I think that we can all probably sit here and name a bunch of, of examples of people who have been brought up to the main roster from NXT over the last few years. And, um, you know, they were really over at the NXT level and then they get brought up to the main roster and they flounder. Uh, and, and, you know, that happens sometimes, you know, people aren't always going to succeed on their first push, but it, it just seems to, to, to me, um, you know, as an outside observer that some of these people were, are only given like really one chance to fly, like they brought up and like, are, can you get over, can we get you over on your first push? Oh, you didn't. And then they, they kind of fade away after that. Um, so that, that stinks. And I, and I, I wish they could get better at that. I'm really interested to see what they do and how NXT grows because what it was and then what it became and then what it changed to now, the current iteration of it, I was not a fan of when they first made that change to the 2.0. But I think that with a couple of few months of hindsight, I'm realizing now, like, yeah, I think I didn't like that because there were about 30 people debuting at the same time. I didn't know anything about any of them, but over time I've kind of seen like, okay, well, I think the long-term goal here is really to now like solidly just develop guys, you know, talent for the main roster, which if that's what it is, and fine. I mean, I think the, the key with them though, is they got to get back on the road because nobody's going to get any better working with the same people on the same level as themselves, you know, less than once a week sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And, and I, and I think uh, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Like they were, they were trying to walk a little bit of a tightrope at one point by, by bringing in, you know, established indie stars and trying to develop their own talent at the same time. And, and that was, that was a tricky, a tricky thing. Right. I, I think, I think, you know, that, that was a difficult balance to find and and so now committing to the whole you know this is strictly developmental let's get these people uh on tv um see how they do uh, i think i think is 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 worth it and yeah it's a bummer because because people who are especially like serious wrestling fans really enjoyed the 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 couple of years that they they were bringing in a bunch of of really really talented people from the outside but it, it is totally understandable the direction that they're going in now. And I, and I honestly hope it succeeds, but I, I do agree with you. Uh, getting, getting back on the road uh, is, is, is probably really important for them to take that next step. What do you like about AEW and what would you change? I, I mean, I just, I think, I think exposing people to uh, at the beginning, especially exposing people like Kenny Omega, right? Like one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, but, but someone who, who maybe a lot of people hadn't seen and just giving them a platform. It was, was, you know, really awesome. It really great to see. 
and I think that they've they've done a really good job of continuing to to you know showcase people who we like regular hardcore wrestling fans already knew were awesome and getting them out in front of a mass audience. Uh, and then and then they've done a, a really good job of of mixing in other people as well. They're the, and they are doing a good job of of you know I think of someone like Darby Allen. Like, would Darby have ever you know become a huge star through WWE just because of his size alone? Uh, it seems unlikely, right? Uh, but 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 turning someone like Darby Allen into into a star is is fantastic. And uh, you know, not as somebody who's watched AEW from day one and didn't know really anything about him coming in and and saw him wrestle at the beginning. You know, I, I would have no I, I had no idea that that he would get to the point that he's at now and, and teaming him with Sting. Like so, just some of the ideas that they come up with uh, have really, really, you know, kind of I, I think hit 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 the mark. Um, what would I change? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that there's, there's something that I would say, oh, this, this needs to, this needs to stop <laughs> or else it's, it's ruining my enjoyment, uh, of the, of the product. But, but I, I do think that they sometimes still, um, you know, you have, you have, I, I don't want to say that their roster is too big. I don't want to open that can of worms, mm-hmm. uh, because, because I don't think that there is such a thing as like, well, this is the limit of, of talented people. The more, talented people that you have to me is a good problem to try to figure out, right? Like I would much rather have that problem than, Oh man, I don't know if we have enough people to create like three hours of interesting weekly TV. That, that seems way more daunting to me. Um, but I, I do think that what they have right now is you see some people uh, on dynamite, let's say, and then people might not see them again for two more weeks. Let's um, you know, and that and that's that's hard, I think, sometimes, um, especially it, what, what we talked about to tie it back into to what we talked about at the beginning. If there's people who don't watch every single episode of Dynamite and Rampage religiously, um, if they miss the next time, let's, you know, the House of Black, let's, let's just pick them. They, they do promos, but uh, they're not always in, in ring action every week. Um, and so if you're not tuned in when they do their their promo, you might not see them again for a week and a half. So um, I just, I just, I think that that might be the, the trickiest part for them is, is finding the right way to keep people engaged in certain, in certain pe- uh, talent when they're not on TV every single episode. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that too, because I feel like one of the things that WWE does well is if you don't watch for a week, they throw you about 15 video packages explaining <laughs> everything that you missed. And some it's overkill, honestly, for people who watch it every week. But if you didn't watch it, then you get caught up. AEW kind of goes the other way with that and just goes match, 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 match. And yep. usually fills in the gaps on social media. But there might be an audience they're missing by not kind of stringing you along. The Cole Keita Wrestling is building stars and making it episodic. So yep. you don't want to miss a piece of something that you, you wanted to see. So maybe that's uh, probably the thing that I would say. There's no, there's no such thing as too many wrestlers on a roster too. I know people no. would argue that lately, but honestly, they probably need to avoid uh, over niching themselves with ring of honor or anything else that they're doing uh, partnership wise. I'm not sure that all the partnerships that they're in are going to be mutually beneficial. Uh, it's probably the best way I could put that, but it's, you know, they have to have their eyes on next year and how they're going to survive if if it's going to be with Warner, if it's going to be with somebody else. And they need to put themselves in the best position content-wise to do that, I think. 
We're going to move to something we've been calling the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your your answers to them. Hopefully, hopefully they're good. So I say <laughs> that every time, but usually usually they're at least kind of fun. So we can have some we have a good time with it. Um, who was the first wrestler you ever met, and where were you? The first wrestler I ever met was. Uh, are you talking about in person, like face to face? Honestly, I think that the first wrestler I ever met was Randy Orton. Um, and it was covering uh, the first WrestleMania in Orlando, um, whichever one that was. I'm, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. And, and this is this is something that people can absolutely make fun of me. So definitely do it, people, if you want to. But I'm horrible at remembering like years to events, like matching like WrestleMania 25 was this year. Um, so I'm, I'm horrible at that. But but um, yeah, I got to cover. I got to cover the 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 first WrestleMania. Uh, there, there's been two WrestleManias in Orlando over the past like 15 years, right? So the first, whichever one was first, I got to cover it for Slam Wrestling. Um, I was there on site uh, and uh, just doing media interviews um, through WWE. Um, we got to meet a bunch of the the talent face to face in kind of like mini scrums, not like a, a huge, not like a huge like regular pro sports scrum, but like two or three of us at a time. And uh, I believe that Randy Orton was the first person I talked to. And, and it was a really cool interview because um, at the time he, he would, uh, you know, people were asking him about, about, you know, some of the out of the ring stuff and, and kind of calming down a little bit. And he, he told us that, you know, what, I, what he wanted to do at the time was to become more of a family man, you know, he had a kid on the way. And um, I asked him, you know, is there somebody that you look up to? on the, on the, on the roster to, to see, you know, what was a good father? How do you balance family and this business, you know, this crazy business. And he said, um, you know, Ray Mysterio was, was the, the person that he looked up to the most is like, this, this, this guy has it kind of all figured out. And, you know, uh, still being relatively new to like in-person interviews, uh, I'm, I was just fortunate to have kind of have the foresight to go over and tell that to Ray when we got yeah. a chance to talk to Ray. And, and he was like, wow, you know, um, you know, he seemed like legitimately like kind of a little bit surprised and, and, you know, humbled or honored, whatever you want to say that, that, that Randy would mention him in that way. Um, so that was cool. That was a cool, you know, interaction for my, my first time uh, getting to interview some of the superstars in person. And uh, it turned out really well. So that was cool. That's very interesting, and, and and your 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 answer for the first wrestler you met is way deeper than mine would be. <laughs> mine, I was ten years old at an autograph signing, and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff sneezed on my shirt, <laughs> and my mom had to like wipe it off. It was pretty funny, but <laughs> well, that's that. I mean, that's much that's a much more like interesting story than mine. So uh, I like it. <laughs> I did get to share that with his son on social media recently too, just because he was asking for different stories about Paul Orndorff, and I was like, "Well, I got a pretty good one." <laughs> um, that was strange. Uh, who, who's a wrestler that you've always liked and you don't think uh, gets enough credit? So, like underrated wrestler. I hate that word, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I see what you're saying. Um, man. I, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking about this the other day. It's like, who who are people who are not like necessarily in the main event, but you're like, man, they do a great job every time out. Um, and and you know, I I think people like a, a Frankie Kazarian. Um, you know, they do kind of try to position him that way. I think a little bit on AEW as like, oh, here's a guy who who's 
wrestled everybody who has had great matches with a wide variety of people. But he's simply not on TV enough, I don't think, for for maybe the the average viewer or someone who hasn't followed their, his career to to fully appreciate it. But I mean, he just seems like a pros pro can wrestle any style. Um, I mean, he's great. So I, I I would say I would say Frankie. And finally, what what is the most interesting thing about writing about wrestling? I think I think how much to uh, and this was you know an interview question I was actually asked before I, I got my job at Wrestling Junkie, and it's like, well, if 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 people are going to stay in character when we do interviews with them, how are we going to handle it? Uh, and oh. and that's not like a question that that people in any other um, I don't think any other form of entertainment have to have to think about even think about right because it's not like if you go on a press junket for the avengers and you get a chance to talk to chris evans that you have to worry about him staying in character <laughs> as captain america like nobody else nobody else even has to to think about that question so i think probably just the 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 like semi-absurdity of the fact that you would have to <laughs> think about that question uh, and deal with it is probably like the greatest thing about about this particular covering this particular industry is like well you might have to deal with people who are going to like be a hundred percent honest with you and a hundred percent their true selves and you might have people who are going to stay a hundred percent in character with these, with these very like rich detailed characters that they build up and then you're going to have people who are somewhere in the middle yep. uh, all over the spectrum uh, and I don't think it's it's if if it's not unique to this business, I'd really like to talk to some of you other journalists out there and and fill me in on the fact that that this happens in other in other you know facets of life because I don't it doesn't seem like it would be. I have completely had that happen to me, and I think the other piece of I, I can't stand the in character stuff because it's just it just ends up being silly, especially when you're, <laughs> you're doing it from a journalism and it doesn't really work. But yeah. I will, you know the other thing with wrestling that you always have to look at is that it sometimes you know big piece of wrestling and like kind of the whole point of wrestling is it's a work so yeah. a lot of times wrestlers will just try to work yep even when they're doing media interviews and it's obvious yep <laughs> like, so it, it might not be as bad as okay i'm i'm actually going to cut this promo as carlito right now for an example that actually occurred to me once but uh yeah you know it, you always have to be you have to understand where the person ends and the character begins if it, if there if that even is a thing because in some cases it isn't really a thing too so uh nick thank you so much for this today this is fun i'm really excited about uh, everything uh you guys are going to be doing with wrestling junkie excited about how i might be able to help you guys out with whatever you need and uh where can people find uh, wrestling junkie Oh, so we, we, we just went live, um, you know, at the beginning of May. So uh, we're, we're definitely still kind of finding our way. But wrestlingjunkie.usatoday.com, um, please come and check it out because uh, we've, we've got a lot of good stuff that, that's in the works. Um, like Phil said, um, one of our big goals is to work more closely with this podcast right here uh, because it's, 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 you know, there's so much potential here. And, and Phil is, is, you know, so connected and so knowledgeable. So Really looking forward to, to working more with you as well going forward. Likewise. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for coming. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I can't wait for everyone to get settled in and really get to stop and enjoy what Wrestling Junkie is able to bring to you and also what we're going to be able to provide here on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Nick Tillwalk of Wrestling Junkie for spending some time with me today. 
I'd also like to thank Paul Barry for introducing us. It's also probably time I thanked some of the folks helping me most on this project. Producer Miguel Fernandez, technical director Paul Wood, social media producer Lynette Espy, and visuals director Sean Oates. They all do tremendous work, and I really appreciate it. If you like this show, subscribe, and if you really like it, give it a review. Join us next week where our guest will be from All Elite Wrestling, the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship, Serena Deeb. Have a great week, everyone. Mm-hmm.